So one day after work, I have a couple of drinks and I'm headed home where my boyfriend is making dinner. Now, back in those days, a couple meant three to 12 and one day was every day. So I have a brilliant idea on the way home. I think I'll stop into Laison Bookshop and see if I can pick up something real quick. Now, Laison was a not a Barnes and Noble kind of place. It was a gay porno store with buddy booths in the back. Buddy booth is such a quaint term for anonymous sex chamber. Well, it didn't take long. This tall blonde drink of water pulls me into his booth and he immediately starts devouring me. The guy is ravenous. And then he pulls back and he says, hey girl, do you smoke? And I pull out my Marlboro lights and I say, yeah, but can we smoke in here? He says, no girl, this. And he holds up a glass pipe with a little white rock in it. <laughs> and I want to pull a Whitney Houston and say, crack is whack. But with all those drinks in me, I'm powerless to say no. And I inhale and the need to copulate is immediate and feral. And before I know it, we are at his filthy apartment around the corner. And as we're sitting on his mattress, alternately taking drags off of each other and drags off the pipe, all thoughts of having dinner with my boyfriend and the fact that I may not be able to get up for work in the morning, go up and smoke, so to speak. And then I look around his filthy apartment. There are piles of rotting Chinese food containers and piles of garbage and piles of unopened mail. And I have an epiphany. This guy's got a problem. Hey there, and welcome to Grit True Stories That Matter. Grit is a weekly podcast about stories, the contemporary personal narrative kind of story, and the people that craft and tell them. Why, you ask? Well, we want to feature these tellers and their stories and to help you, our listeners, craft and tell better, more engaging, more relatable, and more memorable stories, true stories, personal stories, grit stories. New episodes are released every Friday, and we are now in the middle of season number three dedicated to grit talks as well as the best of. And today, our episode is the best of the 99-second Grand Slam, Season 5, which just happened. We had 16 storytellers and one champion. You've already heard one of our Grand Slam champion stories, Jamie Brickhouse, and you are going to hear several more. From Rana Levy, Carolyn Erickson, Gaurav Madan, Tina McKenna, Jeff Stein. Those tellers are in three different countries. We're going international. And we'll close it out with Jamie Brickhouse's Grand Slam winning story. Check the show notes for upcoming events and or workshops. And hey, do us a favor if you listen on Apple, rating and reviewing this podcast. It really helps people find it. We want people to find it. So thanks so much for that. And if you're interested in this particular form, the 99 second, we've got another slam coming up in February. Join us, check it out, watch, listen. Maybe even throw your name in the hat and tell a story or two. We would love to have you. All right, Grand Slammers, let's dive in. I'm lighting a Yurtside candle for my mother as I've been doing for the past 13 years. And for 24 hours, her flame will flicker. My mother had multiple sclerosis since I was a toddler. 
I mean, once she had to wear an eye patch for her blurry vision and sometimes she couldn't walk or she couldn't button her shirt and, and she had cortisone for her, um, for her stiffness. One time when I was about nine, we were driving home from the mall and I was in the backseat and I took my hat off and I was twirling it in my finger and it just flew out the window on the highway. And I was so, I didn't want to go home. I mean, cause I knew that my mother would be screaming and yelling and swearing. So I just hid under my bed until my dad came home. My mother had her tranquilizers in the kitchen cabinet. Sometimes my mother would just sit at the kitchen table and cry and, and say that she was useless and that she was a burden and that she'd be better off dead. And she had tryptophan for her depression. But sometimes my mother was perfectly fine. I mean, she was so confusing. She wasn't confusing, she was sick. But I was a kid and I needed her to be like my friend's mothers and, and to, bake a, to bake brownies with me, to take me shopping or polish my nails. 13 years ago, my dad came home from work. The garage door was closed, but the car was running and my mother was in the front seat. I didn't understand her pain. Another year, another candle, and for the next 24 hours, my mother's flame will flicker. into the kitchen. I've been on my morning walk. My husband is making coffee. He looks over at me and he says, you seem different. It's 1996. We've been married for 25 years. And I think that on my morning walk, I have decided to leave the marriage. I have been making pro-con lists. The pros all have to do with what a good man my husband is. And there's only one con. I can't seem to love him. So always I decide it's my fault and to try harder. I've been doing that for 10 years. This morning I changed my route. I have to change my route and avoid 23rd Avenue, the busy street, because for the past two weeks, I've been thinking how easy it would be to step in front of a truck. Now I'm scared. Something has to shift and I hear a different voice. This voice says, listen, you're gonna get out of this marriage. The polite way would be to wait until one of you gets sick and dies. And yeah, the not so polite way would be to get real and find your courage and leave. Now I'm in the kitchen. I've just heard my husband say that I seem different. I am heartbroken, but I also hear myself say, yeah, I think I am. In Delhi in India, my hometown, I'm traveling in our subway we call Delhi Metro on a cold Saturday evening when I see this playful toddler smiling at me from far. I'm standing next to the door reading a book and this toddler is in the lap of his sleeping mother on the other side of the train. A few minutes later, the mother shouts, the baby is not responding, the baby is actually no longer breathing, he's turning pale with every passing second and if nobody comes for help, this baby may actually die in a few minutes. The train is flooded with people. It's absolute chaos with no idea what to do. I immediately jump towards him, grab him from his jaw, turn it around, take a deep breath, 
and strike firm blows with the heel of my hand on his chest. I continued doing this for what, what seemed like lifetime at that point, with no success. We are losing him. Just as I begin to give up, ting, a coin pops out of his mouth and he cries like a newborn with a new life. Thank you, Rana, Carolyn, and Gaurav. Next up, Tina, Jeff, and our Grand Slam champion for season number five, Jamie. After my mother walks out on us when I'm 12, um, I would see her every other weekend. And on one of those weekends, uh, my grandmother shows up. Now, my mother and my grandmother are both French. And that's all they spoke to each other. I don't speak any French. However, what they didn't know is that I understood everything they said. So on that day, they decide they're going to put me in my mother's wedding gown. Now, I'm 13, which is like a gruesome time for a young girl. But there I am in her wedding dress on a, on a cocktail table in her sunken living room. And, uh, and they're, you know, they're chain smoking their galois and they're, you know, they're circling me like sharks. And my grandmother stops and says to my mother in French, you know, it's a pity that Tina takes after the Irish and not the French because she is so homely. She's never going to be a beautiful bride. I jump off the table, I run to my room, I rip off the gown, I throw myself on the bed and I weep and make a promise that when I get married, I will not have my mother and my grandmother there. C'est fini. My best friend, my brother from another mother, has had a daughter. I go out to FEO Schwartz and I find the perfect teddy bear. And I rush over to see her and she's beautiful. Over the years, I get to see her a lot. And then one day I call and I find out her father's died. And I think to myself, I'm 300 miles away. I don't have the funds. I don't think I can be like that teddy bear. I don't think I can be perfect for her. And I decide the best thing to do is to walk away. Decades later, I am Googling my friend's name just for no apparently good reason. And I see her. She's singing. And she's beautiful. So I find her on Facebook and I shoot her a note and I said, you may not remember me. I'm your godfather. I gave you that teddy bear when you were a little kid. And if you don't want to talk to me, I totally understand. A few months later, I get a note. I've missed you. All I want to know is more about my dad. And it has been perfect.
So when I come to in a Manhattan emergency room to the news that my Texas tornado of a mother, Mama Jean, is on a plane from Texas, I panic. You see, I had taken an overdose of sleeping pills, my alcoholic bottom. And I can imagine how she's going to greet me. She'd point a perfectly sculpted red fingernail and yell, God damn it. I knew you'd end up like this. I just knew it. I was terrified of facing her and her all-consuming love that I could never seem to escape because if I faced her, I'd have to face myself and I would no longer be able to sweep my drinking under the rug anymore. So I spent a week in detox. And when I got back to my apartment, she was there waiting. And I was wrong when I lay in fear of her reaction. She didn't yell, God damn it. She just stood there looking more terrified than I felt. And then she grabbed me and hugged me for dear life. Oh, I'm just so happy to see you alive. God, I love you so much. But she started to regain her dexterity when a psychiatrist friend came over and tried to clinically and gingerly explain the next steps for treating my alcoholism. Cut to the chase, doctor. Are we going to have to lock him up? The answer was yes. She pulled out her checkbook and then she pointed a perfectly sculpted red fingernail at me. Your drinking days are over. And by the way, Suicide is a mortal sin, so it's a damn good thing you didn't succeed. Otherwise, you couldn't spend an eternity in heaven with me. As always, thanks so much for listening and all of your support. Special thanks to our Grand Slammers, Rana Levy, Carolyn Erickson, Gaurav Madan, Tina McKenna, Jeff Stein, and our Grand Slam champion, Jamie Brookhouse. Well done, everyone. Thanks so much. Check the show notes for upcoming stuff, events, and or workshops. And hey, help us out if you listen on Apple. Rate and review this podcast, please. It helps people find it. That is all for episode number 65. Boom.